would you uh, welcome Matt as he comes now to bring God's word? That'd be great. Thanks, Dave. Good to be here tonight with everyone, and I hope you've had a great week. Uh, We're in this renewal series that we're going to continue tonight. I think next week is our last week, and uh, tonight we're going to look at Psalm 51. Uh, But before we get into that, I was just, uh, just as a bit of an encouragement as we come to listen to God's Word uh, tonight, to to Christ as He comes to speak to us. Uh, I was reading a story to my daughter this afternoon, and we have these little books that tell Bible stories, and it was the one of Mary and Martha. And uh, it was really, they sort of elaborate on the story a little bit, but in this uh, particular book, you know, Martha's busy, 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 and Jesus comes into the house, and Mary sits at Jesus' feet. And uh, that, that to me is such a profound picture, but, but a reality, not, not just a picture, not just a thought, but a reality of what Jesus wants to do here tonight for us. He wants, he's here to serve us. That's the incredible thing. When Jesus came into Mary and Martha's house, he was there to serve them. Jesus says the greatest in the kingdom of God is him who serves the most. It's a profound thought to think that Jesus is here tonight to serve us, to bless us, to, to um, Im- empower and, and, and equip us and, and move us forward in the things that he has for us. So we're going to go to Psalm 51, and this is a prayer of David, King David. If you don't know too much about the Bible, King David was one of the kings of the nation of Israel, and he was a very godly king, and uh, he sort of established the nation, more or less. It wasn't uh, too much before him, and then he took the throne, and the nation was established under his reign and under his rule. Uh, but sort of back towards the back end of that, after being a very a godly king, he commits adultery, and then um, to cover up his sin of adultery, he ends up um, murdering a particular man, the the husband of the wife uh, who he committed adultery with, Bathsheba. And uh, the prophet Nathan comes to David and says, uh, unveils David's sin, brings it out of the darkness into the light. And, uh, And this is the psalm, this is the prayer that comes from David's heart out of that time, out of that moment. And so we're going to read that together tonight. This is what David prays. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness, even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop. And I'll be clean. Wash me, and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast or upright spirit within me. 
Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. That's a beautiful prayer, a beautiful prayer. It's a very significant, important prayer that has been reflected on so much in the history of the church. David says, uh, right at the start of this prayer, he says, my transgressions are before me. David says, I have sinned. He's no stranger to his sinful actions and he knows that God is not either. But we see here in this prayer that David says that his sinful actions of adultery and murder are only the the outer manifestation of a, a wrong heart, of a heart that needs cleaning. His sinful actions that he knows that are before him help him to understand that there's, there's a corruption in his inner being. We act out of the state, out of state of our hearts. Everything we do, every action, every word that we say comes from the state of our heart. Jesus um, said it like this. He said, from, from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so as David recognizes that his sin of adultery and murder are a manifestation of what is of the state of his heart, this understanding creates a distance, a separation, a non-correspondence between him and God. God is one way and he is another way is what he, he lays before God in this moment. Uh, maybe a way to sort of illustrate this a little bit further, just to, to understand this, this concept of, of distance and of separation. Uh, when you get married, someone, uh, someone very wise before I got married told me that there's this thing called family of origin. And I don't know whether, probably a lot of the people who are married in the room will understand what family of origin is. But uh, for those who aren't, when you get married, it's two people coming together from different families, from a family of origin. And families all have different ways of doing things. 
You know what I mean? Like some, some families fold the tea towels this way, other families iron their clothes this way, and other families have breakfast at this time. And so you've got a culture that, that you've been brought up in with regards to the way that you do things in your life, a, a family of origin, a, cult, a culture, I suppose. And you bring that into your marriage. And someone else, though, from a, t- from a different family brings an origin, a family of origin into the marriage as well. And, um, and there's differences, believe it or not. And uh, some of you know my story. My wife and I, we, we come from families that were pretty close. Uh, our our mums were actually friends, for, effectively for our whole lives before we got married. And so coming into our marriage, we sort of thought, if anyone's going to be pretty close when it comes to family of origin, it would be us, I think. Yeah, I'm sure you could get closer, but not too much closer. You know what I mean? Like we were, our families were, we thought anyway, fairly similar. And so we probably didn't appreciate what this was going to be like. But I want to tell you, whatever the marriage is, two people bringing different families of origin, there's non-correspondence. There's different ways of doing things uh, there's a lack of relation there. There's, there's, you've got this way, you're like this, and, and I'm like this. David, in this moment, knows, as his sin is before him, that God is right and good and loving. That's God's nature. That's who God completely is. And then he looks at his life and and the sin being a manifestation of his heart. And he says, I, I'm something short of that. I'm, I am not that. And in this moment comes David's prayer. And his prayer is not that God would overlook this non-correspondence. Not that God would sort of just be okay with, with him as God being one way and, and David being another way. David's prayer is not, God, please ignore the lack of truth in my inner being. In fact, he says, no, God, you desire truth in the inward parts. He says, yet you even desired faithfulness even in the womb. A God who ignores or sweeps under the carpet a lack of truth in the inner being would not be a God worthy of worship. We would not even say that a human that was like that would be a good person. In this place of non-correspondence between him and God, David's prayer, his cry to God is that God would cleanse him, that God would give him, raise up in him a new nature, a pure a Holy Spirit that God would put in him his Holy Spirit. That, there, that the, the gap, the separation, the distance might be bridged, might be, 
might be put away, that there would be true relation, true correspondence between them. That God would do this and establish a union between himself and God. David, David wants to be with God. He, he, wants, he, he wants to be in, in God is what he wants. He wants not that God would be one way and him another, but that God would be one way and that God would raise up that same way in David. This is what matters to David. In verse 12, he says that this new spirit that God would would put in him, this purity, this cleansing work, would be his salvation. Uh, David has faced... If you don't know David's story, he, he, he did a lot of battle bef- you know, in this process of establishing the nation of Israel. And in fact, even before he became king, he was chased by his father-in-law through the wilderness for, for a number of years. David has faced some serious challenges in his life, externally speaking, if we're talking about worldly circumstances, some serious challenges. And each of these times, we read in the Psalms, in all of these moments, David's prayer, God, you are, you are my salvation. God, you are my refuge. You are my hope. And he had thought that the enemies in the externals were the enemies that really, you know, they were his enemies. They were the the ones that, that needed to be overcome. But in this moment, he recognizes what the true enemy is. A, a corrupt heart, a heart that is not one with God. That's the true enemy because if, if he cannot be one with God, if he cannot be in the presence of God, if the Holy Spirit cannot, cannot dwell in him, he has no God to call upon anyway. This is the true enemy, corruption of the heart. And perhaps here tonight, you are thinking that as you look out at your outer circumstances and you're thinking, this needs to change and this needs to change and if only God would come through here and, and I'm looking for a miracle here in, in this particular situation and it's all outer. God wants you to hear tonight that the miracle that we need, the deliverance that we need is within. That is where the true enemy is. That is where the kingdom of heaven is established in our hearts. Jesus Jesus says this when he taught, do not fear him who can kill your body. If there was someone tonight who was seeking to kill our bodies, each of us would be probably saying, I need deliverance from this God. Jesus says, do not fear them who can kill the body but fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Life, life is, is our hearts. Our hearts is the state of our life. This is where salvation is needed. This is where the battle needs to be won by the living God in the inner chamber. And uh, David goes on to say, not only is this his salvation a pure heart, not only is it his salvation, but it will be his deliverance from the guilt of bloodshed. 
In verse 14, he says this, and it will be his joyful song because as the righteousness of God comes and dwells in him, he, he will know it and, and he will sing over the goodness of, he will sing and testify about the goodness of God as God comes and dwells in his hearts through faith. This is what Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. The one state of blessedness and happiness that God has prepared for every one of us is to see God, is to to know who God is. Not in an intellectual sense. God is spirit. God cannot be understood by the flesh. He cannot be understood by humanity, by the world, uh, is what scriptures tell us. They say that even the demons intellectually know that, that God is one. They intellectually know, I suppose, that they know in some sense that, that Jesus has died and has risen again. And they shudder at that. God is known as spirit, as truth in our inner being. It's as his mind and his, his heart and his person comes and dwells in us that we, we know him. And it's in this, as this happens, that, that we become completely new people. People who are not ourselves anymore, but who are God's. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of my Father who sent me. He said, I can do nothing apart from the Father. David's guilt of bloodshed, his past sin, he would find relief and deliverance from this as the Spirit, as the purity of God comes and dwells in his heart because the old man is gone. Where is he now with his deeds, the old man? And uh, Jesus illustrates this well. Um, All of the miracles that Jesus did in the physical are a parable effectively of what's going to be happening in our our spirits. He, He heals people physically. He heals us spiritually. But it's actually the spiritual that, that is, is what counts, is what matters. And, uh, but there's a moment in John 9 and Jesus heals the man born blind. He, he tells him to go and wash and his eyes are open. Jesus opens his eyes. He gives him something brand new. And the man, the, the Pharisees, they're questioning this man and they're saying, um, they're saying, who is, who is this Jesus? Is he, a, is he a prophet? Is he Who do you say that he is? And the guy's like, oh, I don't know. Like, all I know is that I was blind and now I see. All I know is that I, was, I once was, was like this, but now I'm like this. And all of the old and all of the things that, that were associated with that old man, the fact that I, I had to have someone that leaded, led me around and I had to walk with the walking, that's all gone. That doesn't exist anymore. That's been covered over by something new. And it was him that did it. 
The old is gone and the new is here. The old man, David says, Lord, if you would give me a pure heart, if you would put your Holy Spirit in me, the old man who sinned, the old David who did those works of murder and adultery, he's gone. It's, it, it, it's, it's forgotten. It's, it's non-existent. David is praying for the Holy Spirit of God to come and to cleanse him because this is what he desires. Because he knows that without God, he is nothing. He knows that that he needs God to come and to cleanse him or else he cannot know God. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. which means that the corrupted heart, the impure heart, cannot see God. So David is making this prayer. He senses this distance, this this need for, for cleansing, this need for a new spirit to be put in him. And even in this moment of of separation between him and God, he knows there's only one place that he can, he can turn to. See, this prayer is actually has faith in it. It's a prayer of faith. It's a prayer of humility. It, it already actually, it already has the, the brush strokes of the Holy Spirit upon it. David wouldn't be making this prayer unless the Holy Spirit was in him, leading him to make it. The Holy Spirit leads us to trust that God can and will cleanse our hearts. That, that we can't do this. That it needs to be a touch from God. It needs, it's a miracle. Between the flesh and the spirit, there is a great chasm that no one can cross. But the flesh can cry out to the living God and say, living God, come and touch me. Come and and, and birth in me that which I cannot procure of myself, that which I cannot get from myself. I need you to come and do this. A sinner will not come to God and seek for a pure spirit unless they believe that God is good. And no one believes that God is good unless the Holy Spirit has revealed it to them. You see, the Holy Spirit's already working in David's heart in this moment. But for us who are after Jesus... Tonight, Jesus' death on the cross was a new covenant. It was his commitment to you. See, David didn't even have this. He knew God. And so in a sense, he knew that this has to happen at some point. He had the temple sacrifices. But Jesus has died on the cross, which is your sure, your, your, your ironclad rock and anchor that if you come to him, He wants to do this work of salvation in you. He wants to put his Holy Spirit into you. He can, he will. And so you can come to him in faith tonight, asking that he would do it. Does not hold our sin against us unless we were refused to come out of our sin. Listen to how Paul puts it in Romans 5.10. This is is what he says in this verse here. He says, For if, while we were God's enemies, in other words, while we were against him, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, how much more, 
having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life. Paul says here, it's the spirit coming that is salvation. It's the life of God born in the soul. That is what we need. Jesus' death on the cross opens the way for us to do this with confidence, to, to come to God with confidence and say, I need a new heart and to desire it from him and to have trust and belief that he will do it because he's committed himself to us. He's not withheld anything. He's given his one and only son. What else? What, what, that settles all doubt about whether God really wants this good thing for us. Jesus himself promised this. See, David's prayer in this moment must be answered. God will answer this prayer. God is faithful. To the extent that God is faithful, he is who he is, this prayer would have been answered. God would have put, raised up a new and, and, and cleaned and purified David. Because Jesus says, those who ask for the Holy Spirit will receive it. Ask and you will receive. Knock and the door will be open to you. The heart which stands in continual prolonged humility and faith before God, resigning itself unto him, saying unto God, I have nothing, I cannot do this. Turning away even from their very own life will receive God into their inner man, into their inner being. Is this your prayer? Is this the desire of your heart for God to purify you? For God to put a new spirit in you. David, Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Not our own righteousness, the righteousness of God coming and dwelling in our lives. David, in this prayer, is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. He's saying, Lord, there's distance. We are not one, and I am hungering and I am thirsting. For you, for truth in my inner being. It's easy, it's easy to say that God just, God's okay with this, this, this distance, you know. It's easy for us to just sort of feel like, well, I, I don't need to be okay. God doesn't, God doesn't expect that from me. He doesn't, he doesn't want that for me. Um, I'll always be not okay and, and God's okay with that. It's easier to say that. But David makes the prayer for a clean heart, for the Holy Spirit to be his life. There's... Uh, this, this quote, because, which I, I felt was so incisive for us, to, which speaks to, helps us to understand what, 
what prayer we are actually making, whether we're making David's prayer or not. And this is the quote. I think it's going to come up on the screen, hopefully. What, what is your prayer? What is the desire of your heart? The man whose heart habitually tends towards riches, honours, powers or pleasures of this life, of this world, is in a continual state of prayer towards all these things. His spirit stands always bent towards them. These things of this, of this world, they have his hope, his love, his faith. And they are the many gods that he worships. And although when he is upon his knees and using forms of prayer that he directs towards the God of heaven, in reality, these other things are the God of his heart. And in a sad sense of the word, it is those that he is really worshipping in spirit and in truth. The thing that we are praying to is that which we are desiring. That's what we're praying for. The longing of our heart is that which we are making prayer for, making prayer to. David is making prayer for the, the holy God. That's what he wants. That's what he needs. That's, he says, that's my only good. God, you are my only good. And is, is that the prayer of our hearts? As, as maybe our, our, this, this distance, this discrepancy of nature, of correspondence we, is before us, is that the prayer of our heart? For God to birth his Holy Spirit in us. So as we come to respond tonight, I'm aware that some of us are making that prayer for the Holy Spirit. This is what you are desiring. This is what you are saying. God alone is my good. And you're praying for it with your life, not, not just with words at church or with words of a morning. It's, it's the, the thrust of your heart of your entire life. The encouragement that I felt God wanted to give you tonight is that he's faithful He's faithful to his promise. There's times when we think, God, I'm making this prayer to you, but, but can you really do this? You know, will, will you really come and put your Holy Spirit? God, I, I want to know you, but please, please open my eyes. And there's this sense of doubt and unbelief in our heart as to whether he will really do this. God wants to encourage you tonight. Keep seeking Keep hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Believe he is faithful. Believe he is good to his word. Keep making this prayer. Keep asking your heavenly father for the Holy Spirit. And for, but then um, for others of us tonight, as this prayer, beautiful prayer of David has has come before us, the Holy Spirit, who Jesus said, I will send to convict of sin. The Holy Spirit has brought vision of your life um, before your heart tonight. 
probably of, of a particular sin in particular, a non-correspondence between yourself and God. Your sin comes before you tonight as, as these words, as we've dwelt on these words. The response to make tonight is to come and confess your sin. The humility of the Holy Spirit in the sinner is a confession. That's the humility. That's how the Holy Spirit is, is working in the life of a sinner. And, and you can have no qualms about what his response will be tonight. There'll be no condemnation. There'll be no, um, no judgment. If you will come tonight and confess that sin that is hidden in your own inner chamber, which no one else has access to but you and God, if you will come and do that, there will be celebration in heaven. There will be celebration. Right throughout the New Testament, it says we are to confess our sin and he who is faithful and just will forgive us from all unrighteousness. And so tonight, if, if sin has come before your, your heart and just, just come and bring it and confess it. Do, do not leave it in the dark. Bring it into the light. This confession is the beginning or, or, or the continuance as, as, we, as we walk throughout life. It's the continuance of the heart that says, God, I am praying for your Holy Spirit to be born in me. See, David had been walking with God. But there was sin that, that came in and had blocked his vision. And so if there's something that God brings before your heart tonight, bring it out into the light. Receive his forgiveness tonight. Make this a, a prayer saying, God, I want the cleansing. I want the truth in the inner being that I believe only you can give me. This is what David did when the prophet Nathan came to him and said, David, this, this is what you've done. In 2 Samuel 12, 12, then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Confession of sin. There may be more confession, many more. You're thinking, like I've got, there's a, there's a, a whole heap of things in my life. There might be many confessions to come in the future. There will be, but I want to tell you tonight, just start with the one that is at the door. We must start somewhere. Start with that which lays at the door. Come and confess your sin. The righteous shall live by faith. They shall live in a perpetual state of saying, God, you are, if, if I have not you, I have nothing. God, you must come with your Holy Spirit. God, you are my only good. You are everything I need. I do not need different out of, out of circumstances. I need you, God, in in my inner chamber, with me, your presence, your goodness, your, your righteousness, your love dwelling with me. That is where God comes. God, Jesus said, the kingdom of God will not be discernible. You'll say, well, there it is in the outward world. And oh, look, it's coming like that. No, no, no. The kingdom of God will come in your heart. It's within. So I encourage us, let's respond tonight. Let's respond to the, to the meek, humble Lamb of God knocking at the door. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we, we come now.
knowing, Lord, knowing we, we, there's nothing that we bring, but we come humbly to you, Father, believing you are good, believing that you've given your life for our salvation to come about, for the raising up of your Holy Spirit in our inner chamber, the new life. So come now. Come now, mighty Jesus. Lord, we don't need words. We need your presence to come, to minister. So I ask you now, I ask you now, Father, in the name of Jesus, to send your spirit to come and brood upon hearts right now. In Jesus' name I ask this. Let's not harden our hearts tonight. Let's not turn away from him. He's wanting to serve us. He's wanting to lead us in the paths of righteousness, into paths of life, into the eternal happiness that he has prepared for us, which is to know him entirely, to be one with him. So we pray, Father, that you would complete, move forward the good work that you've begun in every single one of us. Move it forward tonight, I pray. Move it forward tonight, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're gonna stand and sing this song. It says, my God, I need you. So let's stand and make this our prayer. To say, yes, this is what I need. I need the meek, the humble, the beautiful Lamb of God. He is who I need. He is whom I love. Let's sing this together.
Bye. 